you know, people tell you that you run a marathon and it's, you get addicted to it. And I wouldn't say I'm addicted to it because that's my first one. I'm like, that was awful. I'm never doing it again. But here we are. Diz Runs Radio episode 1122 starts in three, two, Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Real quick before we dive into today's episode of the show, today's episode is brought to you by the Coterie, which is my most popular coaching option, uh, hands down, not even close. It's the one that we've had the most folks in, the most folks sticking around for uh, years. Some of them, not everybody, not, not yet at least. Uh, of course, some folks have come and gone, but uh, the, the big thing about the Coterie that I think really makes it as popular as it is, is that you know, you're, you're getting the custom plan, which, which let's not kid ourselves. That's all of my levels. You, you know where I stand on anything one size fits all, but that I'm checking in with, with each person, each person that I'm coaching, uh, three times a week. So that, you know, if your plan needs to be tweaked, needs to be adjusted, something crazy happens, life has happened. What do I do? Uh, you're getting that feedback on a regular basis and, and not to, you know, cast a, a, a cast any shade on some of my coaching contemporaries, my peers, my friends in the industry. But at this price point, uh, which, you know, I'll just say it. I mean, it's on the website. It's not hard to find uh, the Coterie $95 a month. Um, at least as of this, as of this episode being released in uh, January of 2023, you know, prices subject to change in the future. Um, but there's, I, I don't think there's anybody else or very many people that offer three times a week, check-ins, feedback, updates, um, at that price point. So, you know, there, there's a few other bells and whistles. There's, there's some, some, you know, perks as far as webinars and some strength training guides and things like that. But you know, if, if, if you're a little bit leery about signing up for a coach where you're like, well, gosh, you know, I'm not going to hear from this person for, for, you know, once every couple few weeks, which is what some folks do at, at that level of, of, you know, at that 80 to a hundred dollar per month price per price point, uh, the coterie might just be worth checking out. So if, if you want more information, if you want all the bells and whistles and all the fine print of which there really isn't any, but all the details, disruns.com slash Coterie, that's C-O-T-E-R-I-E. Of course, you can head over to the, the main coaching page and just kind of get my feel overall on coaching, kind of the, the highlights of each of the different levels. Um, but if you're so inclined, you know, I'd love to have you join, join the ranks, join, join the crew and uh, maybe have the opportunity to work with you this year or whatever year it is in multiple years, potentially even, uh, but disruns.com slash coterie. If you're so interested and, uh, if you're not, no worries, I'm not going anywhere. So if you're ever interested down the road, let me know. But now without any further ado, let's go ahead and dive in to today's episode of the show. Hey y'all. Uh, my guest today is someone that I haven't talked to a lot in the last dozen or so years, you know, a little bit of social media back and forth, but that's about it. Uh, but for a couple of years there, I saw this guy. I don't know, 10 hours a day, 12 hours a day, at least five days a week, some, some weeks, a decent number of weeks, six days, and there are even a few seven-day-a-week uh, marathon sprints in there as well. So I uh, know him pretty well, uh, looking forward to catching up. And when I was working with him, um, he was something of a retired runner. I was something of a not even retired. Was, I was just a non-runner. Um, <laughs> and, and now here we are. And in the fa- past year or two, he's gotten, gotten back into the sport in a pretty big way. And I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to getting the details of, of kind of why and how and, and where we're going to go from there. But anyway, I'm looking forward to catching up with my friend and uh, fellow Blue Raider, Mr. Jim Starkey. Uh, so James, thanks for joining us today and welcome to the show. Hey, Denny. It's great to see you. It's been too long, but um, like you said, you know, life happens and things change. And I went from being a retired runner to, you know, circling back and, and looking at a lot of the stuff you do and and, uh, you know, getting back on the horse. So yeah. stoked to be here today. I appreciate you taking the time out and, and chat with me a little bit. Yeah, looking, looking forward to it. And y'all, if you enjoyed today's conversation, and, and Jim's not a big social media guy, which, you know, part of me, a little bit jealous that uh, doesn't, doesn't have to play the social media game. Uh, but he does have a Strava. So, you know, as, as run nerds, you know, we tend to, tend to check out people's routes and things like that and, and what they're doing and whatnot. So if you want to follow him on Strava, you can do. And of course, you know, Strava links, it's like Strava.com slash 1745, whatever nonsense. So we'll make sure it's linked up in the show notes if you want to check him out. 
Uh, Dizruns.com slash 1122. We'll get you back there. Dizruns.com slash 1122. Get you back to the show notes for today. Strava links. Anything else we talk about that makes sense to link up and all that kind of good stuff will be there as per usual. So, Jim, the way we always start off each episode of the show with a pretty uh, simple question. Sometimes it's an easy answer. Sometimes it's a little bit, uh, you know, there's a lot of good choices out there. But one way or the other, it gives us a lot of, of, it gives me some options for where to go from there. And it's just to simply ask, at this point, what is your favorite distance to race and why? Oh, that's a great question. I'm going to still say 5K because it's over quick. And (laughs) that's been, you know, that knowledge was gleaned over the past, you know, year and a half of, of dabbling in marathoning and having never done it before it's still hard and I'm not going to lie to anyone's listening. You know, it's, it's a challenge for a reason. And it's, um, you know, the reason that not everybody does it, I think it's, you know, 1% of the, the population in the world has done something like that. But for me, I've always liked the 5k. I raced it in high school. I raced it in college. It's a distance I can relate to from, you know, the highest level that I achieved. And, and like I said, it's over quick and I, I can certainly appreciate that most of the time. Well, yeah, it's over quick. Some of us quicker than others. Yeah, you know, being a being a, a high school runner, college runner, like your your 5K time is probably a, a little. I, I I can guarantee it's a fair bit faster than mine. Um, but that said, you know, like like I I am well on record on on the show of saying that I hate the 5K, not because it's over quick, but because it's just hard from the from the drop. And and sure. the marathon, you're right, it's hard. It's a challenge. Um, but in theory that challenge doesn't set in for at least, at least you get about half the race before it starts to really kind of grind on you. Um, yeah. Although then, then it's grinding on you for, you know, somewhere between an hour and a half and, and two, three hours, depending on what your pace is. So maybe, maybe there is something to short fast and, and, and get it over with. But uh, like you mentioned, you know, running, running has been part of your life for, for a while, or at least it, it was a big part there uh, kind of before we connected in grad school. But yeah. um, you know, I, I guess, I guess, I mean, I guess we kind of already touched on it, but like, what what drew you to running as a as a high school high school kid like like what was what was the draw to the sport at that point in your life? Sure. So this is like one of those quintessential stories of you know hitting that that crux in your life and learning something you didn't really know. So when I was uh, when I was going into high school, I you know didn't really do a ton of organized sports. You know I played hockey, I played baseball, um, but I never felt that I was good enough to do it at the high school level. So we got a flyer that got sent home and asked if you were interested in any sports. And I was like, yeah, I've played soccer. I'll, I'll, let's do soccer. I can do that and maybe meet some people. And so I did. And I played soccer as a freshman and I played soccer on the JV team as a, as a sophomore. And I remember one day the coach approached me and towards the end of the season and said, look, you know, you, you lead the team when we'd go out for runs. You're the fastest kid we got. Um, but your soccer skills, they're, they're not, they're not, the best in the team. So we're the team, you know, the, the high school starting an indoor track team and the coach like, you should really try out for track. I think you'd be, you'd be good at it. And so that's kind of what kickstarted the whole journey. And instead of, you know, instead of after that year was over going back and doing soccer in the fall, I actually joined the cross country team. And um, that's, that's kind of what got started. But I think it all stems back to when I was younger, I mountain biked a lot. And even in grad school, um, I would, you know, get on my bike and get out there and ride. Um, but just doing that, it seemed like helped me build a huge aerobic base. So come to find when my soccer skills weren't that good, I still had this untapped, you know, talent that I didn't know about until the soccer coach told me, Hey, you're not good at soccer. Why don't you try a track? And here we are. And here we are. So that's, um, that's what started the journey. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and then, you know, it's, it's, it is, you know, easy to look back and be like, Oh, you know, X, Y, Z, like this led to this. And like, yeah, the mountain biking and, and having some type of base, but like, you know, the, the ball skills weren't, weren't where they needed to be to, uh, to, to really progress in, in, on the soccer field. But, hey, you know, what, what can we use and, and, and tie into? Um, yeah. and, and obviously good enough of a base to, to do a little college running as well. What was, what was it like racing, uh, ra- racing in college? Yeah, so, you know, I went to a – I wouldn't say it was a smaller high school, but it was about 500 boys. Um, so it put us in, like, the medium, small, large schools mm-hmm. um, type of competitive category. So frankly, for me, I felt like a, you know, I was like a big fish in a small pond in high school. So when I got to college, it was one of those awakenings where you realize that, hey, you know, you're not the best anymore. You're not the, the guy. And there was a little bit of a, a, a tough, a tough challenge to go through because I hadn't done it before. But, um, you know, I, I actually went into college with an injury. I had some stress fractures in my lower legs. So I was redshirting and training in the pool a lot, which was a, a unique experience. And I learned a lot from that's helped me as an athletic trainer now. Um, but with that being said, it was tough. It was a tough transition because, you, you know, you used to be in the guy that everyone depends on. All of a sudden you're, you know, riding the pine, if you will. 
but um, the the level of competition, the the level of training, the access to facilities, the the knowledge basis that the the coaches were able to provide from high school, which is you know really truly amateur, to to collegiate, which is you know now we're competing to to raise you know, generate funds for the school as an endowment to to, to keep the sports teams going. Um, just that level of competition, everything else that goes along with it was a it was a huge jump. So. For for me, I ran I ran I registered across country. I ran one year of indoor, one year of outdoor. I was fortunate for our team to win, you know, our small small conference, the SUNYAC conference. We I believe won ECI or ECACs as well, and then finished third in nationals for outdoor. So I had happened to drop in on the team at just the right time and didn't have any per- personal accolades from it, but it was nice to ride those coattails. Mm-hmm. But um, <clears throat> you know, as a professional going into going into a field, going into college to study. Uh, it quickly dawned on me that you know I couldn't necessarily balance the demands of of doing endurance training all the time versus, and doing athletic training and being you know at other practices. So for those of you who are out there, you probably know what athletic training is from talking to Denny, but it's a huge time commitment. Instead of being an athlete, you're taking care of them. And so from my perspective, I couldn't do both at that time. So I focused on academics, and that's sort of what hit the pause button for my my running career for for quite a while, actually about a decade at least. Yeah. Yeah, it's we had a few a few uh, you know students, kids, whatever peers when I was an undergrad that were trying to to balance the you know they were there on an athletic scholarship, but also they wanted to study athletic training and and sure. yeah it, you can maybe get get by with it for a year maybe 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 two, um, but yeah as you start getting up like like into into being with the team full time and and all the demands that go with it, um, there's just not enough hours in the day to to train for yourself go to class, you know, and then, and then do all the, the athletic training stuff. So, yeah. So, so if I've heard that correctly, about a, about a year of running collegiately, and then it was like, all right, time to, time to switch the focus a little bit. That's correct. Yeah. So that was the, that was the focus. And I maintained, you know, base level fitness for, for about a year or so. And then uh, truly the writing was on the wall at that point, you know, now instead of doing some general observation, you're like you said, taking care of the team, you're all of their needs are met by you. And it's essentially like having, you know, having a family. Um, you got to take care of 24/7. So when that when that went down, it was a new experience for me having to take care of other people like that. And so with that being said, the focus changed from, hey, you know, how do I train, take care of myself, to how do I take care of these guys, and how do I continue my my education? So for me, it was a, it was an easy trade-off at the time. Um, but uh, looking back on it, I'm like, man, you know, if I was training back then like I was training now. And I was, you know, in my early twenties, mm-hmm. you think what could have been, but at the same time, Hey, it's, it's just good to be back out there. Right. It's, it's never too late. Well, and, and, and to that point then what, 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 uh, you know, when, when did the itch start, start being, uh, being something that you had to scratch when, you know, what, what kind yeah. of push did you get back into to lacing up the old, uh, kicks and getting out there for, for some miles? Yeah. So this is, this goes back to, um, I want to say, August of 2019, I think is the right time. 2018 or 2019. Um, My ex-wife and I at the time, we were, we were working on, you know, growing our family. Right. And, you know, months prior, she, she and my dad and my cousin had signed up to do a three person 15 K relay. And, you know, I'm just sitting in the wings. I'm like, have fun. It's five K. It's not a big deal. Just go for it. And, you know, cut to six six months later, we find out we're we're pregnant. We're expecting twins, and you know, clearly, I'm like, you you can't run this race just in case. You know, you've been working on this. This is a super important thing. So stay healthy. So I ended up subbing in for, and I went out and ran something like you know, 22 some minutes. And for for me, I'm like, okay, you know, just getting back into that seems reasonable for. It's, not it's, it's, I'm, I'm laughing because some so many people are like, God, like 22 minutes, like that would be awesome. And you're like, yeah, you know, I get you know, five, 22, and, you know, <laughs> I haven't really trained, but like, yeah, you know, it's whatever. Sorry. Go ahead. So I, okay. For all those out you listen out there listening, <laughs> I must say I, 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 for, I'm fortunate. I don't know if it's just a skill I acquired and just kept with minimal maintenance or I just have the genetic disposition for it. But um, for me, you know, 22, I'm like, okay, that's respectable. And I haven't done much. So I, I'm cool with that. Um, so, I decided to start taking it a little bit more seriously. And there were some, there were some local races um, close to my house. And um, I was fortunate to have two weeks off. And I, when I say two weeks off, I didn't have to work my normal job. I actually flew out to Vancouver and was uh, serving as the head athletic trainer for the U.S. 
national indoor lacrosse team. So we were at the world championships and I had this two week time window where I was up in a beautiful city I'd never been to. And so I was like, you know, I'm going to take this time and go out and explore. And so I brought my running shoes and that's what I did. And I loved it. And I was like, this is it. I remember doing this. And I remember the feelings I got from it. So that helped spur it on and keep me a little bit more consistent. And um, I ended up, you know, running some races and training and doing all that up until December of that year. And then I started getting a pain in my hip. And um, I'm fortunate to work in an orthopedic clinic. So I was able to get it evaluated and ended up having a, a stress fracture in my femoral neck. So right up in my near my hip joint. And so I took six plus months off and, you know, that's when COVID hit. Mm-hmm. So we were all stuck inside. We had nothing to do. Right. So I was itching, itching and just waiting to get back on the horse and, and get back out and do some running, get out of the house and whatever. So um, I started doing it again during that time and kind of got back into it and then went through some life stuff that, you know, to be honest with you, I went through a lot of personal things um, with me and my ex-wife that obviously we're not together anymore. But with that being said, running served as a really positive outlet for me to go out and, you know, clear the slate, you know, take some time for myself. And then I really started to realize what it felt like to have endorphins again. Right. So you, you go out for a run and you're I was like, oh, the best part's finishing. Well, now I kind of know why I feel really good. You know, it's not just because I'm done, but it's because you know the body releases those those endogenous. Um, I don't know if you want to call them opiates or whatever, but the runner's high is a real thing. So it got me back into it, and it really helped me during that time. And I ended up signing up for this virtual race during COVID that was 716 miles. And for those of you who don't know, there's area code in Buffalo 716, so it's holds some significance here. So the the race was around the perimeter of Lake Erie as mapped out for 716 miles. So I ended up doing that and it wasn't competitive or anything like that, but I did end up um, finishing that the whole thing first person in my age group, which was like, okay, maybe there's something here. Right. So um, I just entered a couple, you know, I entered a, a local race in Thanksgiving, ran that didn't compete, but ran it and felt pretty good. And then I started to get more serious about it. And in, in March of, it must've been 2021, I ran my first 5k like a race and I was like, I want to break 20. I think I'm ready for it. And ended up running at 1820. Yeah. You broke 20. So your reaction was the exact same as mine. I crossed the line. I'm like, Oh, that can't be right. But, um, it was. And so a few months later I ran another one and I ran 1804 or something like that. And I was like, okay, this is work to be done here. I'm still getting faster. And, um, I don't know. I don't, you know, I don't want to walk you through the Strava lane, the Strava files, but there was a virtual race for that Red Bull put on. And, um, I signed up for, for a team and ended up, it's one of the races where you just keep running and eventually the pace car, the virtual chase car catches you and the race is over. Um, but I ended up running, you know, just over 40 K and in like two hours and 50 minutes. So for me, that was about seven minutes a mile. I had never done anything like that. And so I'm like, okay, you know, maybe I can, maybe I can run a marathon. And so I ended up putting my name in the lottery for the Chicago marathon that year. And lo and behold, it got drawn. And, and that's, that's kind of where we're at right now. That's kind of what segued into, mm-hmm. you know, the races I've run recently, Chicago, Boston, New York, running Berlin, running Chicago again. It's, it's all been in the past couple of years, Denny. And, and it's, you know, people tell you that you run a marathon and it's, you get addicted to it. And I wouldn't say I'm addicted to it. Cause that's my first one. I'm like, that was awful. I'm never doing it again. But here we are. So here we are. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. Yeah. Well, and and I, I, there's. I feel like I've talked to enough folks that it's it's one of two. It's either I am never doing that again, and then here we are, or it's this is I want I I want to sign up right now. Like when can I sign up for the next one? Sure. And I don't. I have no idea how you can run your first marathon and have it be like this this great experience. Like mine was mine was a train wreck. Um, yep. Never going to do this again. And yeah, and, and here we are. But. Um, you know, so, so we, we got, right. I don't know that we got reconnected. We were never like unconnected, but we were just, you know, life yeah. happens and, and a little bit of social yep. media, this and that and the other and, and, and whatever. Um, but I, I, I can't remember when, which race it was one of, one of the, the, the big three, cause you had, and, and correct me where my timeline is mistaken. Sure. Um, but, but that first Chicago was 2021. So it's coming out of the pandemic first, yep. you know, one of the first big races to like be, be back on the map where we're happening. It's, it's going to be a thing. Um, and so you ran 21 Chicago, 22 Boston, 22 New York. So in whatever, 13 months, something like that, you go from no marathons to three marathons, but not just three marathons, like three of the biggest marathons. Um, and, and 
you did you did did you do did you run them all for charity or or because that was I think where it first kind of dawned on me because I saw sure. a, a a link you know of like hey I'm raising money for for charity so which 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 yep. race was the charity race or which what which races sure so um, the Chicago one I got in on lottery it was it was just lucky and I was like all right let's do it Boston I I got. I got a, an entry to Boston and it wasn't even charity based. What happened is a, a colleague of mine who I work with was at the finish line in 2013. Right. And that was the year that there was the, the bombings and she was injured during that event. And, um, thankfully, obviously she's, she's with us still, but you know, was, was shaken up by that and had a, a bunch of shrapnel and, and was actually, you know, was collateral was damage. Like there, there. Yeah. She was right. there. Yeah. Right. She was in it. And so every year, um, BAA will give her an entry to the race and she can either accept it or she can give it to somebody or defer it. So she knew I'd just run Chicago and she asked me, she's like, if you're ever interested, I think I can get you to ba- into Boston. And, you know, as you and many of your listeners know that that's the gold standard, that's the big one. So when, when it came around December, she reached back out to me and said, Hey, if you want it, you're in. So I went for it. So that was, uh, you know, that fell on my lap. I'm eternally fortunate for that, that opportunity because I know not everyone gets it. But I started raising funds for, um, for the New York City Marathon in 22. And um, I'm like you, I'm a big sports guy. You know, we wouldn't be in athletic training if we weren't. And one of the stories that always inspired me was the story of Jim Valvano. Um, coach at NC State in the 80s, um, took an underdog team and upset the UNLV uh, Rebels and delivered their first NCAA title. And Jimmy V is probably known more popularly for his, his speech that he gave at the SPs in the early 90s. Um, he had just been he just found out he's diagnosed with cancer. He um, was announcing the start of the, found, the founding of the V Foundation for Cancer Research. Um, and it was just a really impassioned speech. And I've always like gravitated towards that type of thing. And I've always really appreciated that. And, you know, losing some people to cancer personally, um, there was there was, you know, some gravity to the whole situation. So I wanted to run New York. Right. And so I knew charities would be able to help me if I if I could raise the funds. So the V Foundation, which is what you see right here, <laughs> the V Foundation um, was able to to get me into New York City if I was able to raise their funds. So I set my initial goal around three thousand dollars and ended up finishing somewhere north of just over four thousand. And you know, there's a lot of generosity from friends and family and even some people I didn't know um, that were able to get me to that point. So you know, running that race, it wasn't just it wasn't just cool to be in New York, by the way, that's gotta be one of my, that's probably one of my favorite reasons, but it's not just being there and doing it. It was, you know, all these people that were with me along the way, even if they weren't there physically, they're the ones who helped support all of this. And all that money went to cancer research. And someday I hope that that's something that will personally affect me in a positive way, right? Uh, my, my family, my friends, my children, whatever. Um, but just trying to pay it forward. So not only was it an awesome race and I didn't run my best time, but it was hot. It was super hot. But regardless of that, it was the most fun I've had in a marathon um, to this date. And granted, it's only three of them. But even so, you know, you spend the rest out there for 75 miles. You'll you'll understand what you like and what you don't like by the time you finished a few of them. But man, so, what a good time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you got three three marathons under the belt. And again, like like three big ones. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know that you, if you've thought of this. I don't know if if if. Um, I don't know. You know, sometimes the questions go over like a lead balloon and that's, and that's fine. We'll, we'll move on. Sure. Um, but like, have you thought about ever running, you know, a race that's got, I don't know, a couple thousand people in it instead of a race with, you know, 30,000, 40,000, 50,000 people in it. Like, like yeah. hard to compare and contrast, but I mean, you've, you've sure. run enough other races, not, not marathons, but like, you kind of have an idea, like, like, like what, what, I guess maybe what's drawn you to these big city, big, big, big ticket world major marathon type of, of events. Sure. So the, the world majors in and of itself has its its own, you know, its own pull, right? They're the big ones, they're the big boys. They're the ones that the world records go down at, that all the pomp and circumstances around. So initially, I think that was the first that caught my eye. I'm like, okay, you know, Chicago is a flat course, a fast course, good for a first race. So that's why I went there. And then I was like, I, I went there and I didn't know about the big six or any, any of that until I'd gotten there. And then, you know, I saw the Abbott, Expo, the, the Abbott set up at the expo and I was, what is this six stars all about? Okay, so I have to admit, that wasn't something that had been previously planned or researched or thought out. I just saw it. I'm like, I think I could do that. I, I, I want to try. So if you're, if you're looking at the timeline of, of these races and why they were selected the way they were, well, frankly, some of them fell on my lap. Um, I'm, I'm running Berlin this year, 
And right after I finished New York, I was like, yeah, maybe I'll throw my head name in the hat for the lottery and see what happens. Not expecting anything. Well, yeah, here we I are. got lucky. Here we <laughs> are. <laughs> and so at the same time, actually right before that, I was like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to do Chicago again. I really liked it. I think I could really, really do well this year if I, if I'm able to, you know, dial in the training and things that, you know, life circumstances fall into place, it'll, it'll work out. So I put my name in Chicago too. Uh, I asked them to pull my name out of that, but they couldn't. So I'm also running that one two weeks after Berlin, just for the record. So have I thought about running smaller ones? Absolutely. And we do an awesome one in Buffalo every year in May. And I, I actually am a big part of that in terms of I, my company helps do a post-race recovery area. So we do foam rolling, massage, stretching, some soft tissue work, um, tooling, stuff like that. So we do all of that. And we usually cater to about, you know, anywhere between four to 500 runners post-race in a run, in a race that's probably close to about five to 7,000. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's the Buffalo Marathon and Half Marathon. And again, it's a cool course, fast ones, BQ. Um, I haven't run it yet. And I'm, I'd be remiss to say, that I'll never run it because I will, but I'm usually working it. So I try not to try not to mix business and pleasure because I don't want to go to the, you know, the booth after the event's over and, and just be totally shot, you know, right. especially when you're, when you're going hard, you know what it's like. Yeah. So, so it, it'll, it'll be interesting to me because I, I, I have, I've never run any of the majors. Um, but you know, when we lived in, in Florida and we were 40 minutes from Disney, like I've, I've run Disney several times cause it's just convenient. Like sure. It's right there. Um, and it's, it's, I, I, clearly don't know but i have to imagine like even though disney's got you know whatever twenty five thousand people in it like it's going to be a different vibe than chicago or, or than boston or than new york um right. but like that's just too crowded like i i like a race that's got a couple thousand people that like you're never alone because i've run the races where like like am i still on the course you know like like you're yeah. not quite sure because there's nobody around you and the streets aren't closed and all that kind of stuff but like you know, give me a couple thousand people where you can always see the guy that's way up there and you can always see the guy behind you and, and you're never completely alone um, but I don't know. That's just, that's just my, my jam. So it'll be interesting. To, I'll sure. be curious whenever you do get into a race, it's, it's, you know, Buffalo size or smaller, like how, how you compare and contrast that versus, you know, just show like maybe not quite shoulder to shoulder the whole way, but like lines of, of spectators and you're never right. alone and, and all that kind of thing. Like you get at the majors, but oh, it's, it's incredible though. If, if you haven't experienced it, it is something I, I couldn't, I, I can't put the words to what it's actually like because the closest thing I can relate to is so when I ran New York city this past year, we went through an area, it must've been somewhere in Brooklyn. Um, but if you've ever watched the tour de France and I know you have, yeah. you've got the guys climb doing these, these huge climbs up the mountains and you've got the crowd just descends on them to the point where it's like a single lane and, and the, it's the bike and it's everybody right in the guy's face. And there was a certain stretch in Brooklyn where that was what it was like. And that was the only thing I can compare it to. It was like, Oh my God, this is like the tour de France. There's people right on top of you, cowbells, you know, just everything. It's the coolest thing. So for one thing for the majors, I have to say that is probably the biggest, the biggest thing is that, you know, like you mentioned it, the line, the streets are just lined the whole time. The only place that wasn't was I think the Hasidic Jewish area in, in New York. It was very quiet, but it, that was the exception to the rule. Um, but yeah, even, you know, I think a lot of these big races and small races, they come with their homogeny. So for the big races, right, you, you, it's it's really mixed. You got all sorts of skill sets. You look around, you wonder, that guy doesn't look like a runner, or this person doesn't look like they should be out there. And they're in the corral with you, right? They're running the same the same pace essentially. And you know, it's, the race carries on. That's that thins out, and you get to see a lot of variety. But in some of these small races, I feel like you know, I, I get in with a group of guys that are of similar skill to me, and and we're all just kind of the same throughout the whole thing, and it doesn't change much, right? You don't see much of that variety. So for the big race, that's kind of one of the cool things is that you're going to see everything from A to Z. You're going to see all sorts of different body types, all sorts of different runners. Um, some of the small races, not quite as much, but even in Buffalo, we have a race called the Turkey Trot. It's an 8K we do annually. I think it's the longest running, the longest continuous running race in, in North America. Um, not, not including Boston because Boston's a marathon. So this one's <laughs> the longest race in general. It's an 8K. Um, but this year there was 12,000 people that run it, that ran it. And it's, you know, a small race per se, but it's probably the biggest one the city offers. And again, you see people in costumes and all sorts of fun stuff. So it has a little bit of variety. That's one of the reasons I like some of the big races, yeah. the small race. I feel like, I, like I said, I end up at the back of the lead pack and then I turn around and there's no one for a hundred, you know, hundred, 200 meters. And it's like, okay, well, this is what we're dealing with today. This is what I'm doing. Right. So I have a, I have a theory. Um, shoot. 
And it, well, and I don't know. Again, I mean, I, I'm curious to get your thoughts, I guess, but I, I don't know. It'll be something that, that maybe five years from now, when we're we're gathered up for a beer somewhere or whatever, and we're we're talking shop some more, um, maybe we'll, we'll we'll be able to, to. Both of us will maybe have been able to experience both sides of it at, at that point. But my theory is, is that the majors are, uh, again, great races, so fun, um, you know, something something to experience, but really hard to PR, especially after you've been running for a while, because it's just the logistics, the, the, not only the crowd size, but just, you know, like, like you, I'm sure you experienced it at both Boston and New York, like how early you have to get up and get to the starting line and then stand around and stand around. And, and they can do a great job of providing all of the, all of the things and food and coffee and, and bathrooms and yada, yada, yada. But there's, there's a big difference between that and the smaller races where you can just like, Roll out of your hotel room, or or maybe even you know it's home field advantage. You can roll out of the house, you know, an hour before the race starts. Drive there, sit in the car for 15 minutes, walk to the starting line, and be ready to go like, like clockwork, you know. Yeah. Um, so I, again, like I don't know that there's much of a question here. It's just this this theory that like some of the folks I've coached that have been like in peak fitness, like ready to go for the the marathons, but, but they're at a major and they're trying to race it hard, have really struggled. And then you get to a smaller race, same type of deal with with you know. Fitness is, is on point. Weather is, seems to be favorable, and races just tend to go so much more smoothly when there's a little bit, maybe less hoopla, less crowd support. So you don't get as you don't push it as much off the starting line because it's just exciting and, and you go nuts and then you you know run a minute and a half per mile faster for the first three miles before you catch it and then you're SOL for the last you know few yep. miles. I don't know, but I don't know. Just just a theory. I don't know if you've thought about that at all, and, and uh, clearly no experience on the marathon, marathon side of it yet, but something sure. to to keep in mind maybe down the road. No, I think there's some, I think there's certainly some, some truth to that. And, you know, you have to think about the logistics of getting 50,000 people to the start of New York yeah. city, right? I'm sure, and, I'm, I'm sure they can't do it any better than they do. I'm sure it's a well-oiled machine. It's just 50,000 people is a lot of people. Right. So like you said, regardless of how clean the, you know, how clean the process is, you still got to get 50,000 people there. Right. And that, that morning I woke up at four fifteen and was uh, on the subway by about five o'clock and I was up at four fifteen to get on the subway, to take the subway, to take a shuttle, to take the shuttle, to take it down to Staten Island. So I got on the shuttle probably close to 6 AM and we were down at the start line probably around seven. So it was about two hours just hanging out and walking around and seeing what it was all about. But no, that's a, that's if, if you're planning on running any of these big races, that is a huge consideration. You have to put that as part of your, your race day plan. And I write a small blog for the Buffalo marathon about, you know, your race day checklist, and this is what you should be doing. And this is what you shouldn't be doing. And one of the things is, you know, look at the course logistics, look at the map, look at the, the parking around the area. How are you going to get there? What are you going to bring? What if you have a bunch of clothes on? What are you going to do with that? You know, that type of stuff. So um, that's a huge consideration for, for your majors, but um, for more local races, like you said, daddy, it's, it's usually a home field advantage. It's usually a little bit easier to get around and you don't have to manage, you know, 50,000 other people trying to do the exact same thing as you. So, um, there's definitely advantage to some of the small races in that regard. Um, but on the flip side, if you're willing to deal with the crowds and the logistics behind it, um, you know, it's an incredible experience as well. So yeah. you bet you're, you're good and bad. And I think your point is valid for sure. Um, it's just something that, you know, if people are looking to do it, you got to plan ahead yeah, big time. For sure. Um, talk about planning ahead. And, and I hate, I don't hate because I do it too often to say that I really hate it. But the, the, the asking the future questions, the predicting the future questions are so pointless because who, who even knows what tomorrow is going to bring. Right. Um, but, but if all goes, if all goes to plan, um, you know, plus or minus a couple of weeks, you'll have four of the, the six stars knocked out in just over two years or just about two years, whatever, whatever yeah. the exact uh, yeah. time frame is by the time you run Berlin. Um, are you, are you in a rush to collect the other two stars or are or like what? I mean, cause you can't get four and then be like, Oh hell, like, you know, right. it'll be your fifth marathon. You get your four, your, your fourth marathon. Uh, you get your fourth star and then be like, eh, you know, eh, whatever. Like, like what's, what, what is the, the prognosis for those, for, for Tokyo and London? Sure. So it really, those two come down to a, if, if I pull one out of the hat and run a sub two forty five, which I, I don't anticipate doing, um, then I'll be, I'll, I'll be able to time qualify. Mm -hmm. Right. And everyone talks about Boston being the big one, the BQ, but, you know, Berlin, if you want to be qualified as a fast runner, you're sub 245 and it's the same for Tokyo. I'd have to look at London. I can't remember, but regardless, I don't anticipate doing that. So, you know, at the end of this journey, um, what I wanted to do was, was be able to bring my kids with me to see the big one, like the, the last one, if you will, the sixth one. 
Um, so there's some logistics here, right? It's probably going to be in London um, because it's an English-speaking country. And, you know, the other one, the other option would be Tokyo, which, you know, we don't even use the same, the same characters in writing. So <laughs> I, I want to be more accessible in that way, right? Now, I've been to London before. I was fortunate to do it with the Buccaneers when we had an international game. Um, and what I realized that London's not cheap. So there's going to be some, you know, financial consideration. I'm going to have to save up for this one. Um, so, so to answer the question, there's really not a specific timeline. It's not like, oh, I want to get this done in three years or whatever. A lot of it just depends on, you know, if I run those qualifying times, great. You know, I'll do it as soon as I can. If I don't, then some of it's going to be related to my luck in the lottery. And then these are the two words pretty slim, right? But um, Abbott's been helping out runners lately that have, you know, three plus stars to they they pull out a they pull out a small set of, of entries and they'll they'll offer it to people that are pursuing this six star challenge and um i just found that out in the past few months so that's that's kind of nice to, to see maybe that's on the radar um but yeah really no timeline just gonna take it as it comes and like you said you know life happens hell i'm stuck in my house in buffalo with you know five feet of snow in a blizzard you know i didn't want this to happen on christmas we can't predict it so We'll see how things shake out, but there's no rush. You know, I want to enjoy the journey and the experience. And I've learned a lot just, you know, going out and training and being consistent and running in snow and running in rain and, and trying different shoes and all that stuff that I, that nobody, maybe you don't think about as much when you're on your toe in the line and that's where all the glory is. But, but the journey going up to it was, was essential to rekindle my, my passion for, for running, I guess is the best way to say it. Um, but also learn a, more, a lot more. Things have changed since I ran last. You know, it's, it's like a 15-year gap from from college to when I started doing it again. And, man, things have evolved. And, A, they're more expensive. But, B, they are way cooler. There's some cool stuff out there. Yeah, for sure. Um, like what? Well, I, I guess, you know, sometimes sometimes you just tee up a question. And, and, and you know, wherever yeah. I was going to go, we'll get back to there eventually. Like, like what what are right. some of the things that you're noticing now that you're just like – like because I, I guess, you know – not that I've been like full on into it, but I've been kind of, I mean, this is what I've been doing for the last, you know, eight years, something like that. Sure. Like, like, so some of the new stuff that comes along, I'm, I'm the crotchety old man. that's like, ah, man, you know, whatever, like, <laughs> off my lawn. Uh, so what, what are some of the things that you're excited about that, that wasn't really, uh, you know, part of the running culture, running scene, maybe even invented, maybe technology sure. stuff uh, that wasn't well, even a thing, you know, 15 years ago. I hate to say it, but this is one of them, right? You know, oh. um, uh, my phone, I went from, we, you and I like flip phones back then. I remember I got a Blackberry when we were in grad school, but I thought I was really hot stuff, you know, but you know, having an Apple watch on, being able to track my runs with like the simplest of, of, of features. It's, it's impressive because what we do back in the day is use like map my run or, or pull up Google maps and try to go, draw. Go drive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or just drive it. Right. And, and now it's just as simple as rolling out of bed and hitting the start button and you're good. So that is something that that's huge. Right. And that's something that I, I, you know, that's mind blowing and it's, you know, been 15 years and the technology is really fine tuned at this point. So that's cool stuff to see. Um, you know, of course the, the, the technology with shoes, that's a, I've always thought that's been a really cool topic, um, to look at, you know, and ethically is it, is it something I don't know, that's, that's not for me to argue. And I'll, I'll admit I wear vapor flies and I love them. They're awesome and they feel cool. Um, so going from running in, you know, um, just your basic Brooks uh, to running in these super shoes now that have this, you know, the ZoomX foam and have the, the, the plated carbon and stuff like that, that, you know, back in the day was not even a, I don't know, again, I, not even something we considered, you know, that stuff's really cool to see. And then all the pursuit of the, the two hour marathon, I think that's piqued my interest too in running myself is, you know, the physiology behind that. I, I teach strength conditioning at the University of Buffalo and, you know, I'll reference when we're talking about aerobic and anaerobic training, um, we'll reference stuff like that and how, how like off the charts that is to be able to do, you know, everyone talks about it. It's not the world record because it's paced and it's set up for, so what, you know, it's still, the guy still got to run it, you know? So stuff like that, where we're really pushing the envelope and especially in the past couple of years, you know, you've seen the world records go down and in, you know, really across the board in track and field and in road racing, um, bar none. And whether that has to, whether it has something to do with the, the technology and the footwear, um, training methodology, you know, um, assessments and monitoring how people are performing from session to session. I don't know, but, but it's all seemed like it's evolved and maybe it's just me learning more about it and having a better knowledge base on it. But it's just, it's been really cool to see it go from what we used to do, you know, drive around in the car to measure distance to now being able to put a measurement or a metric to really every single part of the sport for better or for worse. 
Um, but that's really what I've seen change and what's been cool in the past, you know, decade and a half um, since I, I really took a, a serious look at running. Yeah. And, and, oh man, we could, we could, we could dive into it on the shoes. Cause I, I kind of feel like, I don't know. I, I, oh, I don't know how much we want to get into it. Cause I, I, I'll rant and rave on it. Like, like I don't feel that, that it's, that it's immoral. Like, but I don't, I don't feel that it's any different than, I mean, it, it is, but like, like if I'm going to try to qualify for Boston and I use the shoes and I make it all right, cool. Like, but how is that any different? Like, like it gave me an advantage, right? Like, like we can't, we can't argue that. Um, but like, so is sticking a needle in, right? Like somehow that's, that's an advantage. And like, I'm not a pro. So like, they're not going to test me at the finish line because I ran a three Oh five. So like, like, it's just like, I don't know that I'm, I'm pro either of those options, but it's just like, it's just, it's just a can of worms that, that is what it, it is. is. And, and I almost kind of sometimes think back to whatever it was like, like the Sydney Olympics when the, the swimmers had like the, the super fancy oh, shoots on yeah, like, like every, every world record was just blown out of the water. And at some point they had to kind of reel it in and be like, yeah, maybe it's the suits too much. And like, I don't know whether that'll be with the shoes or not whatever time will tell. Um, but, but then you can't argue, well, technology, like track tech, like the tracks are different than than we're not running on cinders anymore. Like, like, so, so evolution of technology and, and, and improvements of technology, like that is part of the equation. So I don't know. It's, but it is interesting. And especially from where you were 15 years ago to where we are now, it's like, it's a whole different world. Yeah. Yeah. You're not kidding. And you know, I, I agree. I don't think there's an ethical dilemma here. You know, if, if the shoes were banned and people were trying to strap them on and run, right. spray paint them and get out there, yeah, that's you know that's a problem. So that's where I it's easy to draw the line there for me. Like sticking a needle, not allowed. Okay, not ethical. Mm-hmm. Having kick-ass shoes that are maybe a little bit questionable in the performance, what do they offer for someone who doesn't have them? Well, it's not going to hurt anybody else. It's not going to hurt myself. So you know, ethically fine, I'll right. take it. But but it, you know, it, it makes you wonder like well, how much of that, how much of the performance does come from that? And hard to say, but. You know, the stuff that I've read about it and the things that I've done and the anecdotal evidence I've shown, it makes it a little bit easier for me. I'm a little less fatigued the further out I go. And whether that's the shoes give me a little bit more rebound, um, maybe does it change my mechanics? Does it make me more economical? I don't know. But if it's a little bit easier to go a little bit farther and it's it's uh, it's an acceptable method to do it, I'm going to try it out as long as I can afford it. Well, then, and then there's also the question of how much of that is just that you're fitness has improved because you've been running consistently for, you know, two years now or whatever the number, like, I don't, again, that's, you can, you can, you can skin part. it a bunch of different ways. And it's, it's the biggest part. ultimately it's, it's yes. And in my mind, like it's all yeah. of those, like you can get all the fancy shoes and never run. And then you go out there and you, well, guess what? You're not going to run a three hour marathon. Like, Bingo. you know, like, yep. like it is what it is. So, um, before we, before we let you out of here, Jim, and, sure. and, uh, you know, it's always it's always fun for me to kind of talk talk medicine. You know, the the, the sports the sports medicine talk, the athletic training talk. Um, yes. And and I, I know I'm talking to a peer here. I, I guess I'm talking to a, a former peer since I've I've hung up I've hung up the fanny pack uh, officially. <laughs> I must um, say I have too. I'm more performance based now, okay. so I do performance rehabs. I'm not doing as much triage or emergency medicine. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. You still got your credentials. I've 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 got the the RET after my my letters now, so I've got the the retired credential. Gotcha. Um, but, uh, but anyway, you know, like you, you mentioned, uh, kind of getting back into running and you, and you ran around Vancouver and then you, you wind up with a stress fracture. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm just, just kind of curious, you know, I, I kind of have my take on it for myself, but I'm curious your take on it for yourself of, you know, are, are you, are you better equipped to maybe try to avoid some injuries and or recover from injuries because of your athletic training experience and your education and, and the performance aspect of, of your, your professional side of life? Or do you sometimes fall victim of the, I know better, but I'm also an athlete, so I'm going to do some some questionable things, or I'm going to push through some things, and, and maybe I would tell an athlete that I'm working with not to, but like I've got this race that I'm going to run, so I'm going to go ahead and and, and you know maybe maybe regret regret this choice later. Yeah, that's a great that's a great question, and I I'll speak to it on both ends because I was well, the reason I got the stretch fracture, frankly, is because I was the athlete and I was trying to push through. Eh, my hip doesn't feel quite right, but I can work it out. So first things first, stress fractures, as you know, that's going to come from whether it's ignorant, ignorance or whatever you want to call it. That's uh, athletic training didn't help me in that regard. I've got a, someone joining the call. If you couldn't yes, tell, my, yes. my well, dogs are welcome. We'll, we'll take All right. it. <laughs> he's, a, he's not a runner, but anyway, so I, I think it, it helps me from a performance side, right? Because I know, you know, certain symptoms usually equate to certain, certain ailments and those certain ailments can have an effect on running because of A, B, and C. And from my perspective, I'll use that information to develop uh, preventative strategies. That's really my biggest thing. 
and that's all stemmed from having those stress fractures and, and not doing it the right way. And then realizing that, you know, there's certain scenarios where you can't push through and you have to be smart about it. So when I'm getting aches and pains and weird spots or, or stuff that I find concerning, um, the first thing I'll do is, is, is cross train, right? You know, I'll just go offline from the impact stuff and, and see if that has an influence or an effect. And if it doesn't, then, you know, okay, maybe I need to rest for a couple of days and, if that doesn't, okay, maybe I need to, to, to do some sort of flexibility or mobility or something like that. Um, so from I think from a, again, from a personal standpoint, being an athletic trainer just gives me the, the ability to stratify things and start breaking it down and peeling back layers instead of going on Google and saying, you know, my hip hurts, I'm a runner, and then just getting whatever you get and assuming that that's what you have. You know, that's, that's, that's kind of a pitfall people will get into. And I say, Dr. Google is awesome. Like I even use it time to time, but you have to know what you're looking at to make the best decision. And I think that's where people can get off track. So as an athletic trainer, that's been helpful for me. Um, but at the same time, like you said, you know, being athletes, and this is what caused the injuries that I still consider myself to be, you know, an athlete kind of maybe getting a master's athlete, but I'm out there doing stuff and I feel like I can do it at a high level. So I want to see what my envelope is. And at times I'll push and, you know, I'll make decisions that aren't always in my best interest. And sometimes they work out and sometimes I'm really sore the next day and I'm like, yeah, I shouldn't have done that or I lose a toenail or whatever. So from a, an analytical perspective, athletic training has been helpful because I can you know, look at the big picture and, and analyze it. Um, but, you know, from an athletic standpoint, I, I'm around athletes a lot. I still have a little competitive drive from time to time and I do get myself into trouble. So it's a double edged sword. You know, you're around athletes so often. It's like you, you develop a mindset similar to them, regardless of whether it's, you know, right or wrong. Right. Right. Um, you know, the, the, I guess the, to queue up this this next question, uh, kind of talking about performance stuff and, and like things that 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 work or, or that you would recommend. Um, again, both from your experience and both running experience and professional experience. Sure. Um, but but keeping in mind that, that the audience here and, and you're painting with a broad brush, but it's it's a lot of folks. I probably I don't know maybe more similar to me than than you in terms of like you know I'm not just you know, running an 18 minute 5k, like, you know, like it's just, it's just not quite there, but, but you know, we're, we're talking to, to run, I guess where I'm trying to go here. We're talking to runners who are consistent, who are, who are, uh, have their goals and it might be a, a five hour marathon. It might be a six hour marathon. It might be a four, sure. whatever it is, but like, like they've got their goals, the things that they want to improve, but, but running is, is something we do because we enjoy it. Yep. You know, you, you talking back to you about you starting to feel some of those endorphins and some of the, the mental benefits and kind of clearing your head and, and, and getting away from life for a little bit, all those, all those types of reasons. Um, we want to run like that's what we want to do. Like if push comes to shove. I'd rather go for a run than, than get on the bike. I'd rather go for a run than, than hit the weights or do the do the sure. yoga or things like that. Yet I know that the running improves a lot of times because of some of the other things, because of the cross training, because of the strength yeah. training, because of taking care of my body and, and, and those types of things. So with all that in mind, um, you know, and, and maybe a terrible question because it's so broad. But like what are what are two, three, four, five things or one thing or whatever um, that aren't running that aren't that isn't running? Mm-hmm. That that is really in in your view again both personal and professional um, super beneficial for us as runners. It's something that you know maybe maybe we could incorporate one of these things and and see maybe not a, a you know game changer but like oh yeah this this will pay off if we can be consistent with X Y Z. Sure, that's a great question and that's a perfect question because we have a, a part of our company is um, dedicated to to working with athletes who are endurance based so triathlons, triathletes et cetera et cetera marathoners whatever. Um, that works with injured athletes. So we see this a lot and we have to kind of fine tune that question. So I'm happy you asked it. Um, so one of the things that like, is, as you, as you know, Denny and myself, when we're running, we're, you know, we're in the sagittal plane, like we're running forward. That's where we're going. We're sometimes taking a left, sometimes taking a right, but predominantly that movement pattern is, is moving in the sagittal plane or, or straight ahead. So what I recommend for a lot of the runners I work with is, you know, getting off plane. So, Instead of doing things like a traditional squat or just a lunge or whatever, you know, taking that and turning it into a, a, a matrix. So doing a forward lunge, then going into a side lunge, then doing like a, a, a rotational lunge um, and opening the hips up and, and, you know, really working in three dimensions. You know, that's the way the body is designed. Even when we're running again, knowing that we're going forward and backward, if you look at each joint, you know, your ankles not doesn't just work by going up and down. It rotates a little bit too. That's why we have all these fancy shoes with pronation and supination. So there's a lot going on there that happens outside of the sagittal plane. You know, your knee, it, it bends and extends, but it also has subtle rotation. So, you know, challenging your body through some of those off-plane motions is, is critical. And obviously your hip, you know, it wants to be one of the most mobile joints in your body. So you got to move it. And again, if you're just running, 
a lot of times you're, you're missing out on some of the stability uh, muscles or synergists that are on the outside of the hips that can really enhance your, a, your economy, but also, you know, it could reduce your risk for injury. And I'm, I'm never going to say we can prevent injury because we can't, but you know, if you can pick out stuff that's going to keep you off the IR, great. So, you know, getting off plane and doing things like lunge matrix is one I'd recommend. Um, I'm also a big fan of, of doing posterior chain work. So, you know, like a Romanian deadlift, uh, a single leg Romanian deadlift specifically, just to work on balance and work on posting up on a single leg. When you're running, I mean, either in flight or your foot's on the ground. It's one or the other. So, you know, being able to to have that proprioception, being able to have that posterior strength, um, being able to to just develop enough strength to keep your body in that position. Um, those are all huge boons to, to any runner that could, that's out there. And then last but not least, you know, core stability. And I, and I don't just mean like hitting planks. Those are good to set up like a base of stability, but when you're running your body's, you know, you're rotating around a central axis. So I do a lot of motions that are anti-rotational. Um, and for your, for your listeners out there, look up pale off press, P A L O F F press. It's a, it's an anti-rotational core move. And again, for a runner, you hear the word functional thrown a lot, thrown out there a lot. And you know, what does that mean? Well, this is functional for you because it replicates what you're going to do when you're out there running. You know, your body's trying to resist rotation. The more you rotate, the more, you know, the more energy that uses. So, you know, simple moves like that can, can challenge your bodies in ways that maybe you're not getting just by going out and hitting the road. But, you know, I agree when I want to, you know, if I'm going to go out there, I'm going to run. I don't want to necessarily hit the bike. I don't want to go on the climber. Um, but I'm also going to be one of the last guys to tell you to stop running. If you're hurt, we'll look at other ways to work around that. Um, but I know myself as a runner, you as a runner, that's not what you want to hear is, oh, you're going to have to shut it down. Well, what else can you do? There's tons of other stuff. And sometimes doing running still okay. It's just, you got to modify it. So, um, you know, if you want to run, go run. That's how you get good at it. But if you want to stay resilient and, you know, bulletproof, if you will, start walking off plane, start doing stuff to the side, start rotating, start doing all that stuff your body's designed to do, but we don't necessarily get enough of when we're doing, you know, in distance or aerobic endurance training for running. So those would be my three, my three big ones. I like it. And I, I've, I've, I've said it before, and, and, and I, I think I've maybe got a different way of saying it now that from, from, from kind of, I don't know, something that you said maybe clicked. But, like, I've, I've said before that, like, you know, doing some of those, those other movements, you know, train us as, for lack of a better way of saying it, more well-rounded athletes. And, like, mm-hmm. the more well-rounded you are, you know, kind of, kind of the better athlete that you're going to be. Absolutely. Um, but you could almost, I mean, it's, it, you know, maybe this is splitting hairs or maybe this is, this is you know, some type of, of I don't know, not quite accurate, but like you could almost look at, at some of those other movements as some type of other cross training, you know, like, like, sure. you, like it's not aerobic cross training necessarily to do some of the different strength varieties and things like that, or some agility drills, some lateral movements, things like that. Um, but, but you're definitely still working your body in a different way, training your body to, to be fully as close to fully functional as it can possibly be because you're not just all in one plane and all in one mo- right. movement pattern. Um, and I think that, that just from a life perspective, but also from a running perspective, like that's going to be good. Like you're going to be better yes. able to pick up your kids. You're better able to pick up the yeah. dog food, those types of things um, without injuring yourself, which means that you can keep running. Bingo. And you got it. And that's, you know, like I said, that term functional is thrown around for all sorts of different means. But that's really what it comes down to is, you know, is that movement you're doing transferable to your normal life? Like, like you said, picking up the kids, walking the dog, you know, ha- carrying your groceries around. We can train through all that stuff. Um, and, and like you mentioned, you know, you can use those as, as different types of training, but you can also design your program so you're getting some aerobic fitness from this. Say, say for example, we want to work on making those muscles more resilient and, and more resi- resistant to fatigue. So we work on higher number of reps and we'll give you a little less rest, but we're not going to put a ton of weight in your hand. We're going to have you doing body weight. So the intensity is low, but the duration's high and the, um, you know, the, the, the metabolic demand in the body is high to the level that it would simulate being out for a run versus, you know, getting under a bar and squatting 300 pounds, um, you know, different systems in play. So even if, it, even though it's not running, you can program it in such a way that it's, it's, you're getting similar benefits, if you will, just a different, different avenue to approach it. So like I said, work with, if you work with someone who's, who knows what they're doing with this stuff, you can really knock it out of the park. And Danny, you'd be one of those guys. So um, that's uh like you said, from professional level, that's what we're talking about in the same same language there. Um, you know how this works. Yeah, for sure. Um, goodness, I, you know, time time flies. I, I I could keep going with this for for a while, especially when we start getting into this. You know, some of the the exercise science and the, the strength and conditioning yeah. and and all that. Oh goodness, I, that's 
Although I know I, we also lose people when I when I start to get too deep into those rabbit holes, so I try to <laughs> try to try to uh, prevent that from happening. But um, before before we let you out, Jim, it kind of uh, uh, the way I, I kind of close these these episodes up is with something I call the philosophical question, which isn't really that philosophical, but it's kind of open ended, similar to the introductory question. You can take it whichever way you want to go with it, sure. um, but usually it's it's a good place to kind of land the plane and, and put a bow on things. Um, and, and I'd just be curious, you know, like, like in the last, you know, couple few years that you've been kind of getting back into the sport, um, what, what, uh, how is, how is, how is this next phase of your running career, this most recent, the current phase of your running career, uh, changed you, you know, from, from the person that, uh, you know, we, we've all grow, everybody grows and, and evolves and, and change over the years. And, and, you know, I, I, I knew you pretty well for a couple of years in, in Murfreesboro and, and, oh, yeah. um, I'm sure that there's some things that, that from then that were different now and, and shoot different sure. from, you know, 2018 to where we are now from when you, you know, and some part because of getting back into running. So I guess yeah. all that long, long wind up way of saying, you know, in the last couple of few years of getting back into the sport of running, how is, how has the sport changed who you are today versus who you were, you know, a handful of years ago? Sure. That's a, that's an awesome question. I appreciate you asking that. Cause I've, I think I've spent a lot of time on some of my longer runs trying to answer that question myself. Um, I think one of the biggest things, it's made me more patient. Um, it's given me a better perspective on, you know, you, you can't rush the process, right? And one of the things that we, we, we always want is, is people is the shortcut. You know, we want the life hack and how do we make this easier? How do I make this, you know, how do I do this quicker, faster, better with less effort? And I think getting back into running, one of the things I realized is that you really can't, there's no shortcuts, right? If you want to train for a marathon, you have to get out and do the long runs. You have to put the time in. It's hard. And it requires a ton of patience. And that's what I've learned is that, you know, if you want to do it right, you got to spend the time doing it. You can't, you can't, again, you can't cut the corner. So it's made me a much more patient person. Um, it's made me a lot more resilient. You know, not only was I starting to run again and, and starting to ramp up and, and see what these longer distances look and feel like. Now, Danny, before this, I think my longest run before 2019 was like 12 miles. I just didn't, I wasn't a distance guy. For, for a 5K college athlete, 12 miles, that's a, that's a serious run. Right. So, so for me, it was like, can I even go that far? And, and so, you know, breaking through that and, and becoming more resilient because of it was a, also a huge, a really huge benefit to that running gave to me that maybe I didn't realize it, it could have in the past. Um, it helped me with COVID. Not, not never, you know, full disclosure, I never had COVID, but it, it helped get through what COVID was for, for you, for me, for everyone over the world, which was this big, scary thing that, you know, locked us in our houses for months, you know, and, and, having the, the perspective of, okay, you know, things will get better. Things will change. You just, you just gotta be patient. You gotta be resilient. Keep pushing forward. A lot of that stemmed from just getting back on the road, you know, and, and doing those runs and how ah, the weather sucks or I don't feel really good, but not just being motivated to do things, but being committed to it. And that was, you know, goes back to the resiliency. Um, that was really the biggest thing. And, and for all those out there, by the way, it doesn't matter if you're fast or not. It, it's really, if you're committed that's where you're going to see your benefit. Cause I've had times where I was really fast and felt awesome, but I wasn't committed to going out when it was bad out and those, those results went away. So it really does come down, you know, and this is something I've really learned in the past few years from marathon training is consistency is key. You got to commit to it. You got to do it. You got to take the excuses and yeah, some, some are valid, but you got to throw most of them away because if you want to do it right, that's what's, that's how you got to do it. So, and by the way, the past year, my average weekly mileage was 20 miles a week. So that's not a good plan for success in the marathon, just for the record, for everyone out there. <laughs> I mean, maybe not ideal, but, but <laughs> if you look at, if you look at Jim Strava, you can tell when there's a marathon because the, the miles <laughs> picks up a little bit. He gets into that training groove. Yep. Um, so, you know, like, like a lot of us, especially, yeah. you know, especially early in the marathoning career, you, you haven't figured out that, you know, 35 miles a week, not, not that much. you have to do that, but that, that helps make the training process a little bit easier when you're starting from there versus 15, 20 miles. But. And, and having three kids at home, you know, there's certain times where – Also makes it a little bit of a challenge. Not, not <laughs> enough hours in the day. But like you said, if you're committed and you're consistent, you're going to crush. So stay on it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, y'all, if you uh, enjoyed today's conversation, want to check out Jim's Strava. Like I said, we'll have it linked up because it's one of those ugly links that's ridiculous. But disruns.com uh, <laughs> slash 1122 will get you back to the show notes for today. We'll have everything linked up there, photos, all, all the things as per usual. Uh, Jim, this, this has been fun. It's, it's been too long. Yeah, uh, I agree. The last, the last time we hung out in person, we had, we had dogs at my house in Florida that the dogs are no longer with us uh, on either end. 
Um, but that was that was a good time, and that was gosh, what was that? Fifteen years ago, something like that. Twelve years ago, some. Twelve years. It was twenty ten because I was down with the Buccaneers. With the Bucks, yeah. So it's, yep. it's it's been a minute, um, but uh, hopefully. Uh, you know, not that this is quite the same as getting together and, and breaking bread and, and having a couple of drinks or whatever, but uh, looking forward to, to catching up with you in that form or fashion at some point. Uh, but thanks for making the time today. Thanks for uh, hanging out, sharing some stories. Uh, good, to, good to connect. Good luck in uh, the marathons, the, the back-to-backers of Berlin and Chicago this year. Um, and uh, certainly, uh, you know, get, get the training in. Be consistent. Get ready for them. Have some fun with them, though. That's always the most important piece. And uh, looking forward to following along, seeing how things go, staying in touch. But uh, thanks for the time today, my friend. I really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure, my friend. It's good to see you again, and, and I'll stay in touch, I promise. All right, y'all. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode of the show. I hope you enjoyed the little chit-chat between me and my buddy Jim today. And uh, as per usual, be curious to know what stood out to you from today's episode. What was your uh, takeaway du jour? Du jour. Um, lots of things for me and, and I, obviously, you know, with, with my previous relationship with, with Jim and our friendship going back, goodness gracious, it's, it's, uh, I guess we first met 14 years ago, something like that, 15 years ago. It's, it's been a minute. Uh, but, but the, the thing that really stood out to me from today's episode was that, you know, before I knew Jim, he was a college runner. When I knew Jim, he wasn't a runner at all. Um, or at least, you know, he, he'd run a little bit here and there, a little bit of fitness running, but like. He'd kind of given up, right? Like, like kind of hung up the spikes. And, uh, you know, then recently he gets, gets back into it. Um, and, and, you know, is, is rediscovering his joy of the sport and, and obviously taking it a little bit beyond the track onto the, the marathon scene and who knows what the future holds. But, but all in that, the, the takeaway for me is, is that, you know, and I feel like we've said this before, but this is just such a, a great example. It's such a great reminder that it's okay to take a break from running. And I, I don't know about you, and, and maybe it's it's a little bit different for me because I've kind of you know built whatever this is, this life around running. So it's, running isn't just a, a a pleasure thing for me, a pastime, a hobby, something that I do you know personal, but it's also you know kind of my, my business life. Obviously, it's, it's a professional thing for me as well. Um, but but I think sometimes it's easy to feel like like again, just for me, but maybe this is a, you know you've had these thoughts before of like. Well, God, if I give up, if I give up running now, if I take a, if I take a break, I, I may never find my way back to it. And you may not, but I, I think it's important to, to know that, you know, if, if for whatever reason life gets crazy, dynamics of your, of your personal life change, your professional life change, maybe you just don't enjoy running for, for a time. Um, it's okay to, to take a break. And that break could be a couple of months, could be a year, could be a couple of years, could be a decade, but if, and when you ever, you know, kind of get that itch like, ah, you know, maybe, maybe I should, I should, you know, get back out there again. Maybe I want to, that's, that's the key, right? If you ever get that itch where you want to start running again, guess what? Running's not going anywhere. Running's not going anywhere. Um, you know, I, I don't think races are going anywhere, you know, pandemic aside, I, I think races will, will, will be there for, for as, as far into the future as I can forecast. But even if not, you know, you, you give up running now for, for one reason or another. And, and, you know, three years, five years, eight years from now, you're like, yeah, let, let me get my running shoes back on. All you gotta do is head out the door. Or if you're Thessaly, all you gotta do is head back to the gym and jump on the treadmill. But one way or the other, you can get back in it anytime you want to. And as Jim has found out and, and, you know, kind of, um, you know, not, not results may not be typical, but at the same time, they're not, they're not abnormal. You know, you can take a big break from running and come back and, and, Maybe you don't pick up right where you left off, but you can get back to, to where you used to be potentially even, you know, picking up and, and going even further as far as faster distances, whatever the case might be. So it's not like you just have to keep on keeping on or, or all bets are off if you ever decide to come back to it. And and I just think that that there's been times in my life where that's been something that I need to remember about other things too, but certainly about running, that, that it's not going anywhere. And if I take a little break, it'll be okay. And And... You know, Jim, I mean, he's exemplifying it. Just hammering the 5Ks, crushing the marathons. Um, dude's a stud. Dude's a stud. Uh, anyway, that was my takeaway. What, what about you? What stood out to you from today's episode? If you're willing to share it, I would love to hear it. At Dizruns on Twitter, at Dizruns on Instagram. Of course, you can also send an email to Dizruns at gmail.com. And if you're so inclined as to head over to the show notes for today where there's a couple of a couple of photos, uh, of course, links to things that we talked about today as well. There's that comment section down at the bottom of the page, disruns.com slash 1122, disruns.com slash 11. 
1-1-2-2. That's, that might be about as easy to remember as we've had in a while. one one two two. You, you got it. Uh, we'll get you back to show notes today. And in that comment section, feel free to leave as, as much information, as much feedback, takeaways, comments from today's episode as is as you are inclined to do. So that is uh, it for today. One last uh, little shout, little mention for the Coterie. If you're so inclined and want to join at that level, of course, you want to join one-to-one, you, jo- you want to jump into concierge coaching. I mean, those those doors are open as well. But uh, lots of company in the Coterie, but room for room for a few more as well. Dizruns.com slash Coterie if you're so inclined. Again, that's C-O-T-E-R-I-E. You can find it easily on the website. Just look for the coaching tab and all the information is right there for you. And if you have any questions about it, please feel free to ask. As I say all the time and as I as I mean it, and hopefully it comes through, I'm not going to try to sell you. You ask a question, I'm going to answer the question and then allow you to, to decide what option you think would be the best one for you. If it is to move forward, and if it's not, that's okay too. That's okay too. So anyway, with that, let's go ahead and wrap this one up, y'all. Thanks for the time. Thanks for the attention. Thanks for taking James and I with you today. Until next time, y'all be well. Take good care, and uh, we'll talk soon, right? Later, y'all.